0: If you're looking at Ohio State, you know, to start this whole thing off, um, the name, image, and lightens bill that was just passed, like what are your thoughts on it recently? Do you think it's beneficial for the athletes? You know, what are like what are some things you would think they need to know before they kind of get too deep into this whole thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think um, the way things sort of fired out of the gate on Thursday, it feels like they know what they're doing, you know, and that there are, you know, Ohio signed the bill – Uh, with the executive order before July 1st, which does have a couple parameters in place. You know, you can't do um, a casino endorsement. You can't do, you know, a controlled substance or whatever. So, I mean, some of the States that didn't pass a law, they just like, it's more of a wild West situation because the NCAA just punted and said, like, we're not going to enforce the rules anymore, um, which is great. So I think it's great for athletes. I'm, I think we're not going to be nearly as interested in it in yeah. another week as we are now that like in the end, it's like, is it that interesting? If somebody has a, an endorsement for a couple hundred bucks with some kind of food delivery place, like not really, like, you know, that's get, they're going to be able to do cameo videos. I remember when Gene Smith was first talking about this a couple of years ago and it's like that time when cameo was getting really popular. And it's like, yeah, like seven banks I know is already on cameo for 30 bucks a video. Yeah. And it's like, awesome. And I remember doing a very big story when I started covering Ohio state, like a decade and a half ago about this autograph circuit that as soon as the season would end, there was this very specific autograph circuit at all the malls around Ohio that the same company set it up every year. I remember when guys like AJ Hawk and guys like that were going on this autograph circuit and they would make tens of thousands of dollars on this autograph circuit because they had exhausted their eligibility and now they could do it. And so now I mean, you can sign autographs whenever all the, the consternation about was was Johnny Manziel signing autographs when he was in college. You know, these players can just go to an autograph signing uh, on a Sunday if they want to. Yeah. So like the, all that kind of stuff. It's going to add up. It's not going to be, I don't think, life changing money for that many athletes, but it's going to be certainly helpful money that they have every right to for, I think, a decent number of athletes, at least at a place like Ohio State and in a city like Columbus. And the thing that there's a couple things that I've underestimated that I feel like even since it launched, I've gotten a better handle on. One of them is that like, there's certain, I think, endorsement opportunities that businesses of a certain size just could never do with a professional athlete. Cause if you're making millions of dollars a year, you're like, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that random thing for a couple grand. grand. Right. But I think like a college, a college athlete would be like, yeah, I'll do a random <laughs> thing for a couple grand. And so I do think there's going to be this market of, you know, I think Justin Fields could have had a huge endorsement deal last year, right? I mean, I like that, Trevor Lawrence could have had that. Guys will have that. But I do think there's going to be more of this like small to medium marketplace of, of companies that just aren't quite big enough to have a huge budget to get pro athletes who d- demand a certain amount. But if an, an amateur athlete is like, well, it's better than nothing, there right. really might be more opportunities there than I anticipated. And then the other thing that um, we were theorizing about the other night is, you know, like Ryan Day has a coach's show that's in his contract that he does during the year. And there are millions of dollars that are that are associated that supposedly that's one of the things he gets paid for. I'm very curious about from a media standpoint, and it makes me a little nervous, frankly, like what players might do like if a player said like, oh, well, I'm just going to talk to this outlet because they pay me. Yeah. During the year. And then I'm not really going to do interviews with other outlets. And it's like, well, in the pros, their employees and the teams can kind of make them talk. And, you know, guys do kind of have maybe. Associations with certain media outlets, but like in college, it might be different. So I'm very curious how that kind of thing shakes out. So in the end, good luck to all the athletes get every nickel you can. But I also think from a fan standpoint, it's going to be less interesting than we're treating it now. And I think it's going to change the game less than some people think. I don't know that, you know, Alabama and Ohio State are still going to be good. And Michigan State and Minnesota are still going to be not right. quite as good. And I, I just don't know that some people disagree with me, that they think it really could change the game on on some of the, you know, I do think Minnesota will, will be better off than Purdue because Minneapolis is bigger than West Lafayette. So that'll help Minnesota but I don't think it's going to really change who Ohio State football is and the kind of players they get. That was a long answer. Feel free to edit that, Cantley, <laughs> however you need to. You're in production. You can cut that down to a 30-second soundbite if you need to.
0: No, that's actually a really good one because we I've actually had that discussion with several people, and we were wondering, like, would it really be that different for schools like, like you mentioned, like your OSU's, your Bama's, Clemson's. Like, what would it look like for schools like that? Would it be any different? So I think your answer, honestly, kind of spells the whole thing out of, you know, how it would look for those schools still. I think they'll still be the powerhouses that they are. I
1: I know I read a a story that someone suggested, like, for instance, and I think this was the example they used or close to it. If Ohio state, Michigan state are going after recruits. Yeah. At the, at at the moment, nine out of 10 recruits would pick Ohio state over Michigan state. If in the name image and likeness world, a player thinks, okay, I'll be able to play faster at Michigan state, which was already true. but playing faster at Michigan State, starting sooner, getting on the field, will also allow me to make money right. in college. Whereas if I'm a backup at Ohio State for three years, I don't play till I'm a senior, I'm not going to make as much money. Would that mean that Michigan State now, instead of getting one winning one out of 10 battles with Ohio State, would Michigan State win two or three out of 10 battles with Ohio State? And oh, wow. if so, that will increase the parity. And my thought is, I don't think that's going to happen. Right, because if you're trying to get to the NFL, I I still think there have been times when there have been some players who have chosen Ohio State. And who I'm like, why are you picking Ohio State? Go be the best player on Michigan State. Don't come be a backup at Ohio State. And if you're trying to get to the NFL, that's millions. This is hundreds or thousands. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why NIL would change that recruit's decision all that much. That all of a sudden, it's not that Michigan State's going to be beating Ohio State, but they're going to win you know another battle or two every 10 times i just don't think that's going to happen yeah cuz cuz now when minnesota and michigan state are battling and if minnesota has a better nil opportunity that'll give minnesota an edge and if greenville south carolina isn't as big as columbus and when clemson and ohio state are battling ohio state might have an edge i do think when it when schools are already on the same tier yeah i think if you have more nil money making opportunities and you're battling a school on the same tier as you for a recruit, I do think NIL can give a school an edge. Right. But I don't think it's going to make a huge difference between tiers. Right. I don't think any more kids are going to pick Michigan State over Ohio State, and I don't think any more kids are going to pick Toledo over Michigan State. You know, it just it's just not going to happen because no matter what NIL is, it's not as important as trying to get to the league. Right. So that's where I disagree with maybe what some people are saying. That's a good way to look at it. I didn't think about that as far as like the
0: recruiting battles. And yeah, that's, that's a really good point, actually. So I would, I, I would could be wrong.
1: It could be wrong. I could be wrong.
0: I'm honestly, I'm with you on this. So I think, like I said, very, very well thought out. And I would ask you too, if you're looking at, you know, a lot of the guys since you've been covering college football, I'm sure you've, you've seen a lot of great players who would the NIL you think benefit the most? Like, which player do you think could have got the most money out of this? This was put in place sooner.
1: Braxton. I think that's everybody's answer at Ohio okay. state. I think Braxton Miller have really cleaned up. I mean, I know <clears throat> Braxton Miller and his family. Once he got done with his fifth year at Ohio state made a spin move t-shirt like months after the spin move against Virginia tech. And they yeah. tried to sell that today. I mean, I honestly think like, Braxton Miller would make the spin move on Monday night against Virginia tech in the opener. And you'd be able to buy a spin move t-shirt on Thursday. Yeah. Online at braxtonmiller.com And like every Ohio state fan would have bought a spin move t-shirt for 25 bucks. So I do think, but Braxton before that, when Braxton was the quarterback and like the one man offense. And I've always said this, and I've said it on my podcast many times, and I'll keep saying this, the guy's a model. Yeah. I think Braxton Miller could be a model. He's so handsome. He's so (laughs) like, he just looks great in a suit. Go back and find the photo of Braxton Miller in the blue suit. It'll knock your socks off, man. Like he's, he's charismatic. He is just cool. And he does things on a football field that you've never seen before. So I think Braxton would have cleaned up. I think Cardale Jones after the playoff run and with how dynamic and his great personality I think he would have cleaned up. I, saw, I I told Cardale that the other day. He was at the signing with Mike DeWine, and I said, man, he was like, don't even talk about it. <laughs> you know, He knows he would have cleaned up. Um, I think Zeke would have cleaned up, right? Because, mm. again, all those guys who – everybody – that 2014 team, nobody left after that year. A couple really? guys, Devin Smith, Michael Bennett, but, like, Joey Bosa was back. Ezekiel Elliott was back. Vaughn Bell was back. Cardale Jones was back. JT Barrett was like, like All the guys who drove that couldn't capitalize on it. Joey right. Bosa would have had a bunch of stuff. And so all those guys had to wait and they got their money in the NFL, but they would have capitalized in a big way. So I think Braxton on his own, I think the success of that 14 team guys would have individually done some stuff. And then of course, Troy, I mean, you win a Heisman, Troy, Troy Smith could have done a bunch of stuff, but Braxton, because he was so electric and he's so good looking and he's so different as a player. Um, I know I saw Jerome Baker, I think tweeted, the other days, like Braxton would have made a million. And like, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's an exaggeration because I think everybody would have wanted to be in business with Braxton Miller.
0: Yeah. It, that's actually funny. You bring up Braxton. Cause I'm wondering the last couple of years at OSU, you know, you've had like your chase young, your Joey Boses, your Nick Boses. Do you think it's different for guys who are like the quarterback since the quarterbacks are always kind of like, you know, the star of the team, you know, they're the center of attention versus guys who are on defense. Like, you know, like I said, your couple exception guys. Do you think, the guys on offense could possibly make more money because of they get more attention, or is it just depending on like your impact on the team?
1: No, no, it's. it's I think it's your attractiveness. I mean, I think we just all quarterback is it. Yeah. So um, it doesn't mean. I mean, I'm just trying to think. It's like you know Baker Mayfield has some big time national endorsements. It's like I don't know what's the one that where's the thing that Baker lives in the stadium. That's uh, an, is that an insurance company? But it's yeah. one. It's like a big thing. I was gonna say is it a state. a state. I feel like State Farm might, be, might wrong, be State Farm. Something, yeah. But like that's partly because I mean it's not based on play because Baker's good, but he's not a superstar on the field. It's based on personality. He's charismatic. But like Aaron Donald doesn't live in his stadium in a commercial. And he's a better player than Baker Mayfield is, right? Yeah. You know, pat Patrick, Patrick Mahomes has the State Farm stuff. That, they did a Super Bowl commercial with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, the quarterbacks are just out there. So like, it's not about how good you are, right? Partia, partially, partially. But it's also, I mean, it's just who, who people are attracted to, and that's quarterbacks, man. Okay. Yeah, I figured
0: it was probably a matter of, like, you know, the quarterback being kind of the glamour spot on the field is probably, you know, what you're going to roll with. Because I've seen people listing a lot of the guys who'd make money off of this, and it's like Tebow, Johnny Football, Cam. And I'm like, it, it's always a quarterback, it seems like. so.
1: I think Justin Fields would have made money last year. Again, like, he's a more quiet guy. Yeah. But, like special, special player, handsome, like, just, like, has got it all, right? And he had Uno, his dog, was so cute, and he, like, did a thing. I mean, like, there would have been dog food companies who the first time that Justin Fields on a Zoom call with us was like, hey, Uno's here, would have been like, get Uno a dog food endorsement, like, yesterday. Like, people would have been coming out of the woodwork for that stuff. So Justin Fields obviously would have done very well. But the thing that's interesting about Ohio State quarterbacks is a lot of the – before Justin. And, and Dwayne Haskins, obviously, too. But the big time Ohio State quarterbacks did not go on to make millions in the NFL. So the money that Troy Smith could have made in college, the money that Braxton Miller or Terrell Pryor could have made in college or JT Barrett could have made in college would have mattered even more because it wasn't waiting for him in the league. A lot of this stuff is like, all right, well, you know, if Chase Young or Nick Bosa or whatever couldn't make money in college, like they're going to get it in the league, right? Yeah. But not, it's not guaranteed for anybody, and there has been this run of Ohio State quarterbacks who were unbelievable, winning, charismatic, successful college players who did not go on to make – I mean, they made a couple million. You know, Braxton was in the league for a couple of years. They, right. Terrell was in the league for a couple of years. But the money they would have made at Ohio State, like, really would have mattered.
0: Yeah. I'm curious to know, too. I've, I haven't looked too much into the name, image, and likeness thing yet. Um, I'm, I want to read up more about it. But how does it work for transfers? Because I'm thinking, you know, you've mentioned Justin Fields. When he transferred from Georgia, does it impact like the amount of money
1: they would get later on? Or like, is it just. No, I mean, all that basically happened is Hmm. that the state laws said, hey, it used to be that if you took money from outside money that you were getting, that was special because you were an athlete. The NCAA was going to take away your eligibility. Okay. the NCAA was never illegal. Anybody could have done it at any time. The NCAA just would have said, well, you can't play college sports anymore. So all the state laws do is say the NCAA can't do that. That's all that's in the state law. The NCAA may not, and Ohio State may not punish you for taking money. Okay. So that's what the state rules are. And then the NCAA said, hey, by the way, whether you have a state rule or not, we're not going to do that anymore. Okay. So there's nothing that's attached to anything other than you as a college athlete are now a regular human because yeah. hum- humans could always make money. Right. And the only people in the world who couldn't were college athletes because they'd have the the right to play the sport taken away. So that's the only thing. It's not fancy stuff. It's just you can't take that away from them anymore if they make money. Okay. Okay. I got you.
0: And I kind of want to, you know, focus on some of the guys who are incoming this year for OSU since we've talked about, you know, the quarterback position, What have you heard as far as, you know, them having a quarterback for week one? I know they have three guys are kind of between C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, Kyle McCord. Uh, Who would be your favorite? Who's the guy you think is going to get the spot to start?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you could probably ask anybody who covers Ohio State, and their answer would be C.J. Stroud. Okay. Um, Based on how things looked in the spring, based on the fact that C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller are a year older than Kyle McCord. C.J. Stroud was a higher ranked recruit in the end than Jack Miller. Jack Miller was the early commit and they still brought C.J. Stroud in on top of him at the end. You know, if Kyle McCord was the same age as C.J. Stroud, I think it'd be even even more of a competition. I don't think Kyle McCord is completely out of it. I think Kyle McCord's got a little something to him. Um, But C.J. Stroud, I just think is like just seems like a pretty complete guy, poised guy. You know, I think Kyle McCord, I think, is a little more like a gunslinger kind of thing. But I just think C.J., I think is just like ready to run the show. So uh, it's not over. I don't think Ryan day thinks it's over, but I don't know if I had to guess right now, I'm probably at about like 80, 20 Stroud versus McCord. And I, and I just don't think it's going to be Jack Miller. When
0: you look at, you know, Stroud with guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson this year, do you think he complements their game really well? Is he the type of quarterback you think that would work well playing with them?
1: I do think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson can make anybody look good. (laughs) So, you know, Justin could throw a really nice deep ball. I'm not going to pretend I know for sure what CJ can do with that. We have seen in 2018 with Dwayne Haskins, they ran a lot of shorter, quicker stuff, Mm -hmm. mesh routes, get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. I think it's possible they go more back toward that. Hey, young quarterback, don't stand back there and hold it and feel like you have to make some super play. We're just going to run Garrett on a little crossing route, get rid of the ball. Yeah. I do think the offense could look more like the 2018 offense with Dwayne Haskins than the 2019 or 20 offense with Justin Fields. Because okay. Brian Day can do whatever he needs to do. Right. But, you know, CJ can move a little bit. Kyle can move a little bit. Jack can move a little bit. They could all move, I think. They could all move better than Dwayne Haskins could, in my opinion. Yeah. So I think all those options are there. But I think it is going to be a lot like C.J. maybe being a point guard and just getting the ball out of his hands to Olave, Wilson, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Jeremy Ruckert, and just lean on the best collection of skill guys in college football.
0: I think so, too. And, you know, if you're looking at their season, uh, well, this upcoming season, what are your expectations for them?
1: I mean, we are at the point where – I mean, like Ohio State, the expectation is the playoff every year, right? So, like, you feel like a crazy person. I mean, Ryan Day hasn't lost except in the playoffs. So, like, we are honestly almost at the point of being, like, you feel a little nuts picking them to lose a game. Yeah. Unless it's to Alabama or Clemson. So, I think they have the two best receivers in college football. They have two awesome tackles in Thayer Munford and Nicholas petit I think they're the best pair of tackles. The interior offensive line is good. Rucker to stud at tight end. Their offense as long as the quarterback's okay yeah their offense has a chance to be i think the best in the country the defense we don't know about the secondary you okay. know like we don't know about it for sure so um i think it will be better than last year but i certainly think they're still the best team in the big 10 i think the idea of like hey with a young quarterback you maybe have a hiccup that people don't see coming you know oregon in week 2 is no gimme yeah i think you have to keep that in mind but I would imagine most people are going to pick them to go 11 and one or 12 and zero in the regular season, win the Big Ten championship, and make the playoff. And like to get away from that, it's hard because Michigan and Penn State had such bad years last year. Yeah, I think they're probably blips, but it doesn't give you a lot of confidence to like think that Penn State or Michigan is going to rise up and get them. And then they don't play the best teams in the West. They don't play Wisconsin. They don't play Iowa. They don't play Northwestern in the regular season. So it it feels like, you know, Oregon and week two is a thing, but other than that, they'll probably roll and wind up in the playoff with probably very familiar foes as they have been the last two years.
0: The playoff thing. That's interesting. I think I've heard people talk about it and I want to know your take more on this. They've talked about expanding the college football playoffs, like eight teams or 12 teams. There's been so many numbers thrown out. Do you like the idea of expanding it? Or do you think, it's fine right at four.
1: I used to like four. I used to always say I'd rather leave a good team out than let a bad team in. Okay. But I think given the way the last seven years has gone, it just is a square peg round hole with five power conferences and only four spots. And the idea that like, Hey, you win your conference, whether it's, you know, whatever it's ACC or sec or big 10, but like, you still might not get in. Yeah. Based on, you know, splitting hairs of some stuff, I just think is we've had enough of that. Okay. So I think we have to get it. Now, if you consolidated the five power conferences down to four power conferences, say you cut the, if you cut the big 12 into pieces yeah, and you gave a couple schools to the SEC, a couple to the big 10, a couple of the PAC 12, and now you only had four conferences and you just said, and then you said Notre Dame, you got to get in a conference. And you just said the the playoff is the four conference champs. Oh wow. Like yeah. I would be okay with that. Now that's not going to happen, but like if that was the scenario, then I think it would make sense. It's the current structure that leads me to I think four has run its course. And then I think if you're going to go jump from four, I think jump into 12 instead of eight makes more sense because if you're going to eight, that's five conference champs guaranteed. You're going to have to guarantee a spot for the best group of five team so that's six of the eight spots taken and that only leaves two other spots and then that doesn't feel like enough to me that sort of feels like well what did we really gain by doing all of this yeah so then i think you jumped to 12 and i had proposed my version of of, i'd i had said a month before they announced it jump from four to 12 and do here's my proposal and it basically matched what they did it's the four buys Because if you have buys, that maintains, well, what's the regular season for? If you're Ohio State, you know you're going to be in the top 12, so who cares? Well, getting a buy is kind of a big deal. So I get that. I like the conference games at home – or excuse me, the first-round games at home when you're playing five versus 12 and everything like that. Then you put those semifinal – or then you play the quarterfinal games and the semifinal games in the current bowls. I actually think what they have proposed with 12 fits with – the current situation in college football as the best way you could. So I think 12 is the answer. I think it's going to happen in the next two years. And and I think it will be good. I think it will be good for almost everybody.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely will be fun to watch. I kind of felt weird about 12 at first, but all the points you bring up. Um, I think it definitely does, like you said, make it more interesting because there are so many good teams every year that are left out. And I think I kind of came to that realization this past year when Ohio State was kind of like teetering on like making it in and not making it in. That discussion was a thing, and I would hate to see, you know, four teams make it. And Ohio State's not one of them. I think with Justin Fields being in there, it was that it, like if they didn't make it and Justin Fields is on the team, that would have been, I think, would have been tragic for college football.
1: I mean, Ohio State has been hurt by the four team playoff more than any team in college football, and it's not yep. close. Yep. No other team has been on the edge and not made it three times like Ohio State did. So. They've made the playoff four to seven years, and the three years they didn't make it, they were five, six, and seven. And, like, the 2015 team finished seventh in the final playoff rankings. I I mean, they were arguably the best team in the country. They just lost the game. They couldn't lose against Michigan State, and that was it. Like, they would be the most dangerous seven seed you'd ever see in a 12-team playoff. And so it's just a matter of a team like that. Do you want them in or do you want them out? I'm taking them in. if If you want them in. Yeah. And I think to make sure they're going to get in, you got it now, you know, but that, but that loss to Michigan state still would have had consequences because they would have gone from a bye to now having to play a first round game against a, you know, a pretty good, um, 10 seed or whatever. And then all of a sudden now you're the seven seed. Now you got to play the two seed in the quarterfinals. (laughs) That's a tough game. So it's not like the Michigan state loss in 2015 would have had no effect, right? right? The effect it did have was prevent them from having the opportunity to repeat as national champions. And the twelve-team playoff, the effect it would have is you go from like the two seed to the seven seed, and now you have to play an extra game, and you have a tougher road, and that also is a punishment. Yeah. So it it the regular season still matters, but it's not as punitive. So, I I just think that's where I just think that's where the the sport is that 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 we need to get to that spot.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I think it would be cool to see a change and to kind of close off the close out the Ohio State stuff. Um, I saw you have a book, The Road to Ohio State, coming out. Is it in September? Look at you. I know. I was all over your Twitter. I'm always trying to find, creep on people's stuff and find some info about them before I talk to them. But uh, that's really actually kind of cool. I actually was working on like a little small book project myself, and I'm in the process of trying to uh, do the editing and stuff with some teachers I've had. So I saw you did one, and I thought that was pretty interesting. So kind of talk about that and what it's about.
1: How old are you, Cantley? 24. You're 24. All right. So I'm 47. OK, and this was my first one. So you still got 23 years okay. to beat to beat me to the bookshelves. OK, so the fact that you're already working on one is awesome. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's uh, it's a series about the best recruiting stories for a school, for the football program and how guys chose Ohio State. So they started the series with Michigan. Then they did Alabama. And then the people doing the series, Tom Van Herren, who works at ESPN, started it. They asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, OK, yeah, that's my motivation level. It's like if I had to come up with a book myself, <laughs> I'm, I'm 47. I haven't written a book yet. But like if someone says, hey, we got the project. It's all laid out. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh I'll do it then. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had a good time doing it. I had more fun doing it than I thought. I was just fortunate to have so many great Ohio State stars of the past tell me their recruiting stories and, you know, there's a lot of things that are similar, but everybody has their own journey. Ryan Shazier was great. Cameron Hayward, awesome. Kirk Hurst Street, awesome. And I tried to cover all the different eras. So we go far as far back as Jim Otis, who was recruited by Woody Hayes. Okay. And then we go all the way up to Trevion Henderson, who's getting ready to start his freshman year at Ohio State. So that we represent all the eras from Woody to Earl Bruce to John Cooper to Jim Tressel. To Urban Meyer, to Ryan Day, and, and Ryan Day talked to me for the book. Urban Meyer talked to me. Jim Tressel talked to me. John Cooper talked to me. Kerry Combs talked to me, and then all these guys, and and some of the best ones, you know, Kenny Guyton's recruiting story is unbelievable, yeah. and everybody loves Kenny Guyton. But it's not just the superstars. Like the Kenny Guyton story of how he got to Ohio State is is fascinating. And when they said this, hey, do you want to do this book? It was the first one I said, oh, I like got to put Kenny Guyton in, and I talked to Kenny and his parents and his high school coaches, and. The coaches of the other schools that he was considering, and everybody was just fantastic with it. So, um, out September fourteenth, you can pre-order it now. It's called "The Road to Ohio State," and I just think like if you're an Ohio State football fan, like you'll probably like it because there are your, some of your favorite players are going to be in there. It might be for stories, some of them that you are familiar with, but I I think you're not, you don't know all the details and some of them might be new to you and it covers all the eras. So
0: yeah, I actually saw it. I actually just got a Browns book not too long ago. I still need to read uh, by Terry Pluto. And so I kind of try to get these books about like the Browns and OSU and just kind of read about the history of the schools or the teams and um, individual guys. So your book is definitely one. I'm going to get a copy of when it's out.
1: So you got You like you had to mention Terry Pluto. You had to like oh, throw yeah. that right in my face. <laughs> I I finally wrote one. Terry Pluto has literally written like thirty five books. Yeah. So it's I, like, oh, oh, which one of Terry's thirty five <laughs> books did you get, Cantley?
0: Yeah, I was like, I gotta go go ahead and read it and buy some more. But yeah, you're. I saw that on your on your Twitter page, and I thought that was really cool. So I definitely want to get a copy of that and uh, and read up about you know the the journey you went on to to make that happen. It was really cool. So. Well,
1: I appreciate that, Cantley, and, yes, and yeah, sir. thanks for bringing that up. Absolutely. Your check's checks in the mail for you.
0: Yes, I appreciate it. <laughs> so I, I do want to flip to the Browns real quick. Um, Like I told you when I started this whole thing, I, bad enough, when I started watching football, I started as a Bengals fan. Chad Johnson was my favorite player. Um, My dad brainwashed me to be a Browns fan. So I've been a Browns fan for about the last, I'd say, 10 years or so now. But looking at their upcoming season, what would be, you think, the expectation for them considering how last season and the year before that went?
1: Starts with a Sioux, ends in an O, and in the middle is Uperba. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I was saying it in January before free agency. I mean, I just thought back then I, I made a case that they had the third best roster in the NFL. Um, And then they added, they reshaped the whole defense. I don't think they have a hole. I think they have... They are filled with young veterans. I think if you win with young veterans. I mean, Miles Garrett, this is his fifth year. This guy yeah. isn't, this isn't some young guy off the street. This guy knows what he's doing now. Um, th- I think they have a good coach. I think Baker's going to have a good year. And I think they have multiple guys, whether it's guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and Jadavion Clowney, who are stars, who have sort of had injury issues and maybe haven't been at their best the last couple of years, yeah. who I still think have the opportunity to have their their best NFL seasons. And I don't know that anybody's expecting that, but if you don't just get good Clowney and good Odell, you get the best they've ever been. That's next level for them. Yeah. I think they have players like Denzel Ward and Jedrick Wills who are good young players, but I think they haven't shown their best. Right. And so if you get the best of Denzel Ward and the best of Jedrick Wills, that's next level. So as good as they are, I think their baseline is like very good. I think there's still a lot of upside within their baseline. I don't think we've seen the best of Baker. Right. He's fought for half a season. So now that he's in chemistry, Fansky, been together, together a whole year, I, I think that's out there. So I just think they are set up in every way. It feels like national writers have been coming around on that in the last couple months. But I think if they weren't the Browns, I think if they were the Seahawks or the Cowboys or the Washington football team or whatever people would be even more jacked up about it. Yeah. But they they just I think they have high end talent and I don't think they have a gaping hole and I think they'll win 12 or 13 regular season games and be like the 1 2 or 3 seed in the AFC and absolutely be able to make a legitimate Super Bowl run.
0: I like that. That's good. I was actually when I like I told you earlier when I had done these with Dan and Ellis before I was asking them about the Ravens, you know, it was almost like people always bash the Ravens for not having the best receivers, but they got some in the draft, you know, Bateman and all those guys. But do you think that gives the Ravens, how do you think the Ravens match up against the Browns this year? The Browns addressed their problems on defense, but the Ravens address their problems at receivers. Like, how do you think that's going to work or play out once the season gets
1: here? I do think that I think they'll also lean into JK Dobbins as their feature back, which they yeah. were sort of split in time last year. I think JK is a good player. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good number one NFL back. I think that'll help them. You know, uh, they did lose a decent chunk of their pass rush, which I do think affects them defensively, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a lot to put on Rashad Bateman. I think as a rookie, you know, bringing Sammy Watkins in Hollywood Brown's still there. Like I just, I I don't, I don't know. I think they're fine. And I like Lamar Jackson. I'm pro Lamar Jackson. I, I am. I don't question Lamar Jackson, but I think it's fair. Like right now, am I sure that Lamar Jackson, he has an MVP and he went 14 and two one year and he's an amazing player. Am I sure he's going to have a better year than Baker? No, I don't. I don't think that's for sure. I thought, you know, that pick six in the playoff. And it's like, there's a couple things that like, it's all the same stuff people say about Lamar, throw him between the numbers, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, I think it doesn't mean he's not good, but I don't think the Browns should take a back seat to the Ravens. Okay. If, if people want to call the Ravens and Browns co-favorites in the AFC North, I'll buy it. I get it. But I think one through 22 in the starting lineup on both sides, I think the Browns are better. Yeah. And I think, Ravens actually might have a few more question marks, like you're talking about with receiver, yeah. than the Browns do. So I, I wouldn't overlook the Ravens. Mm-hmm. And the way the schedule shakes out, I think if they play each other twice in three weeks, it's like the the, the I think that, you know the division's going to hinge on that. Like the AFC behind yeah. the Chiefs may hinge on that. But I absolutely don't. I I don't think the Browns. I, I don't think the Browns go into this season looking up right. at the Ravens. Okay. Maybe looking eye to eye. But I think the Browns are the better team. What about the Steelers? I mean, Ben's like part robot now, right? So like, (laughs) he's like a cyborg. He has a robot arm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, their center retired. They let David DeCastro go. You know, Najee Harris at running back is going to lift their run game a little bit. Um, But they lost Bud Dupree. Like, I just, they just feel like, I don't think they're going to be bad, but they're going the wrong way. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, how long can Ben hold on? Mm -hmm. And there's going to be some year. I mean, maybe they just cut bait after this year and they don't, and he's still pretty decent this year. And then they, then it's over, but you know, he might fall off a cliff. (laughs) And I think people thought maybe he was going to fall off a cliff last year. Then they started 11 and zero, and then they kind of fell off a cliff. So I think the Browns are better, you know, TJ Watt and cam Hayward and what they do defensively. I, I think Mike Tomlin's one of the five best coaches in the NFL, So I respect all of that. But again, don't overlook the Steelers, but the Browns shouldn't be scared of them. Browns shouldn't be scared of them. And I think it's to the point where the Steelers know that when they take the field, they're probably at a talent deficit compared to the Browns.
0: What was going through your mind last year? I'm just curious. When you were watching that playoff game against the Steelers, like were you just because I know when I was watching it, I was like, oh, my God, like this is actually happening. I I thought they were going to choke it away, but they didn't. I thought they looked pretty strong the whole game. What was your
1: reaction when you were watching that game last year against the Steelers? Yeah. I mean, it felt like the culmination of something. It was kind of hard to believe, but like, then on the other hand, it's like, no, no, no. like, it's not that hard to believe. Like, like this is what they've been building to. Right. And that um, sometimes just things come together and you don't expect, you know, the snap to go over big Ben's head and start off that way. But I think even in that moment and a bunch of people, you know, pointed out, it's like the balls on the ground and who's like busting their butt to get after it and get on the ball and who's not. Yeah. And it's the Browns busting their butts and the Steelers are kind of looking at it. And I think that was, you know, psychological, I think it was a little bit of a passing of the torch. And I think, you know, the way that the last regular season game, when the Steelers are playing backups and still took the Browns to the wire. Yeah. You know, I, I understand if Browns fans are still a little gun shy about some of this stuff. And they, you know, they lose the Jets game because of the receivers are out with COVID. And then this happens like, oh my God, they're going to blow it. Like, I, I get it. They're, the fans are scarred to some degree. But just talking football, <clears throat> Like just the football stuff, like the Browns are just better. And so I I thought it was a nice reassurance for Browns fans. And I know the Steelers rally, but it was like a nice reassurance yeah, for Browns fans to like have it unfold that way to be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. The Browns are actually the better team.
0: Yeah. And I'm kind of curious too, going into this upcoming season, they have the Chiefs. Let me see if I remember this right. I know Chiefs are week one. Do they play the Texans and the Bears? Those are their first three games. Somewhere in there. So I'm wondering if they can yes. get off to a, like a 3-0 start, you know, you beat the chiefs. week. Oh,
1: one. Oh, Whoa. Oh, you're dropping beat the chiefs on the road in week one on me. I'm taking it. Oh, I'm like, I would like bet my house that the Browns lose that game. I think it's possible. The Browns get blown out that game. And, and what I am just because I think, you know, what's the toughest place. What's the toughest game in the NFL right now? I think it's playing in Kansas city. Yeah. I, when you combine like home field advantage and how good the home team is, I think it's playing in Kansas city and they blew the super bowl. They're going to be ticked. They're going to want to show everybody how good they are. They added a couple new offensive linemen. Patrick Mahomes is going to be healthy again. Like they're, they're going to be mad and they're going to want to remind everybody. That's like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) The Browns are cute, but this is our conference. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that that game could get out of hand, and it has nothing to do with the Browns because yeah. good teams lose, Right, good teams lose. And I just think a lot's going to be in the chief's favor. I think maybe there'll be a little bit of something like the Browns. Maybe will be like, okay, this is our big opportunity. And then it's like, oh shoot, we lost 35 to 10. And then it'll be like, oh yeah. And it meant nothing. Right. I'm totally prepared for that. And I'm totally prepared for that to happen. National media to be like, to bail on the Browns. Yeah. I've told the listeners to our podcast, like if you want to bet the Browns, maybe don't bet them yet. Right. wait, let them lose to the chiefs and then hammer them because yeah. they're still going to win 12 or 13 games, but it's the toughest game on their schedule. It's like, to me, if you think they're going to win at Kansas city, it's like, do you think they're going 17 and zero? because if you think they're going to win that game, show me the losses. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, and, and listen, we've had people on our orange and brown talk podcast. I think Mary Kay Cabot thinks they might win that game. Yeah. I know there are people who think that I just think it's a very reasonable loss and nobody in the NFL goes undefeated. And then they got their butts kicked in the opener last year, which again, like what was the toughest game in the NFL last year? The, the Ravens were 14 and two the year before and the Browns had to open at the Ravens. They got their yeah. butts kicked and it had nothing to do with who the Browns really were. Now it's a little different. There's no pandemic. It's not Kevin Stefanski's first game as a head coach, but I also think there are some similarities and I'm like bracing for the same result and the same outcome, which is meaningless. Yeah. they roll afterward. So I just had to comment on your three and zero, three and zero assumption, Dan Cantley.
0: Let's do this. So if, if they if they beat the Chiefs, I, I need a per I need a personal, I need a signed copy of your book.
1: Oh, that is a great bet. Let's do it. That is that is a great bet. Okay. One free signed copy, hand delivered, <laughs> okay to your house, All and right. I will and I will write, uh, Cantley, thanks for everything. You were right. I was wrong, <laughs> yeah. Doug. It's a, so that's a great bet. I think we'd both
0: be very thrilled, though. They had like a three and 0 start. But, you know, if, if, they, if they let's just say they do beat the Chiefs in week one and they do start, you know, rolling three, four, five wins in a row, what does that do for them, you
1: know, the rest of the season? So I am very much on the bandwagon of like, they are past the like, we have to prove it <laughs> stage. And so I guess the question is like, well, what if the chiefs start five and zero? what would it do for the chiefs or what if the bucks start five and zero? what would it do for the bucks? And it's like, I don't know, just like they would be good. Just like they knew they were good. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I, I just am not, I think they're past the point of having to think that way. Cause like, they're, they're just definitely gonna make the playoffs. And it's just a matter of like, okay, well, are they gonna definitely win it? But so like, they, 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 they are here. Like this is real. They're here. And so I just think it would mean what it would mean for any other winning team, which is like, oh, that's a great start. Okay. Well, now when we position ourselves, oh, we've got a shot at the one seed. Oh, we'd love to be the, you know, or at least we get the top, we'll get a home game. like I just think it's that. I don't think it has to be like, oh, now we've arrived. Because they are, I think they're already arrived. Yeah. I think people know. I think they know. And listen, listen. I, I mean listen if they start five and0 if they beat the chiefs baker is going to come out and say people didn't believe in us we showed the world i mean he's going to say that but i just i'm i don't i think they're there and i think they'll have a little bravado maybe um because other people don't believe it but i think they believe it yeah and and, and i don't think they question it i don't i don't think they think they're a playoff team they know they're a playoff team And so get out there win the games you are supposed to win and start thinking about what seeds are going to be.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about OBJ earlier and I'm wondering for him, do you think he makes it through the trade deadline and, you know, kind of the way Baker improved over the course of the season last year, having OBJ back out there, do you think they mesh or like what's going to be the deal with him this upcoming year?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think any kind of idea of like, Oh, Baker got better after OBJ got hurt, I think is just, it's just coincidental. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, it was Baker. I mean, it's not coincidental. It's Baker getting more comfortable in the system. Yeah. But he'll be better with Odell. They're trying to win a Super Bowl right now. They're going to be good for the next several years. But I think it's also possible this is their best roster that they'll have. Yeah. Because they have the whole offensive line back. They have Jarvis and Odell back. Like they didn't lose anybody and they added a bunch of guys. They're going to be guys who are going to price themselves out soon. They're not going to be able to keep all this talent. So they're not, I mean, they're not, they're not trading OBJ. They're not like, this is the year. Yeah. Like, this is a Super Bowl winning year. So this is not a, I mean, are, are Jarvis and Odell Beckham both going to be on the team in 2022? I would probably guess no. Okay. But like, you know, if everybody has a Super Bowl ring, like, that's not the point. Like, yeah. and then, and, and Browns fans have to get used to the idea that good players are going to leave because when you're a good team, that's part of the deal. You have so many good players who price themselves out that they're going to go somewhere else to a team that has less talent and get big money. And so just with their what they do philosophically with Kevin Stefanski's offense, I just don't think it makes sense for them to be paying both Jarvis and O'Dell the money they're making like in 22, but like in 2021 right now, they can afford it. They have the space. So like it's fine. Keep them. You have them. Don't be in a hurry to get rid of them right. and try to try to win a Super Bowl while you have them both. Who would who would you want to stick around, you know, if you don't
0: get to keep everybody for the following season?
1: I have come around on, and I think you were either there at the start or you've come around on the, on Jarvis Landry's role as sort of the heartbeat of the team
0: Yeah.
1: and you know, his yards per catch and that kind of thing. Like it's, it, he's not Odell, but I, uh, kind of have a hard time envisioning the Browns without Jarvis. Yeah. And I think it would be a risk to lose him because I, you know, there'd be enough veterans, you know, Baker would be ready to step up like that. And you've got guys on the offensive line and obviously miles Garrett. I think John Johnson, the new safety is going to be a player like that. Anthony Walker at linebacker. I think it's a player like that, but it would make me a little nervous to nervous to lose Jarvis. Cause I think what he does off the field. So I think if it comes down to that, it's like Odell, we love you. It, it, it maybe isn't long-term here we're going to see if Donovan Peoples-Jones can be our deep threat or we're going to draft Chris Olave or whatever. Yeah. And we're going to keep Jarvis and Odell's going to leave and it'll be like, this was an awesome run. It didn't go exactly as we planned, but boy, this last year was great, wasn't it? And I think everybody could feel good about that. I just don't think long-term that they can spend that money at the receiver spot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was actually funny when I was talking to Dan one time, we talked about kind of the depth. That the Browns do have that receiver now. We said, you know, so it's honestly kind of a good problem to have. Would you would you echo the same
1: idea? Or yeah, no, too many good players. Hashtag yeah. too many good players. I've been <laughs> I've been working that for a couple months. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's like Kadaro Hodge was their number three receiver to start last year. He was yeah. ahead of DPJ, he was ahead of Rashad Higgins. And so you have Odell, you have Jarvis. You have Hodge, you have DPJ, you have Higgins, you've drafted Anthony Schwartz. Like, you know, there's some people like, oh, Anthony Schwartz. I'm like, Anthony Schwartz is going to cast like two passes this year. I know he's fast, but I think he's a little raw. And it's like, who is he going to get on the field instead of (laughs) like, if everybody's healthy, he's not going to do anything. And like, if everybody's healthy, I don't think Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to do that much. So, I mean, it's, it it is, it's a good problem to have Donovan Peoples-Jones, as we know. Recruited very hard by Urban Meyer. Ohio State really wanted him. Five-star recruit. Goes to Michigan. Doesn't have the career he wanted. But I think there's a lot of talent in there. So it was a great pick in the sixth round. But then I also think people got a little overexcited about what he did last year, filling in for Odell. So they have some interesting guys there. I don't think they have a sure thing there. Yeah, And I just think it also might be hard to sort of like develop Schwartz and Peoples-Jones like in games this year because they're trying to win a Super Bowl and they have a bunch of veterans ahead of them. But the whole point with this is you're going to lose veterans. So you have to have guys behind them. And I think they could, you know, just what they do in practice in that camp, get to the point where if Odell Beckham's not back in 2022, they'd feel comfortable with some combination of Donovan Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz filling that spot. So I think that's the most important thing, get those guys developed for 22, but I'm not counting on either of them to have a huge impact on 21. Okay,
0: gotcha. I gotcha. I think what sparked our conversation about that earlier was um, when Julio won out of Atlanta, a lot of people said, oh, come to Cleveland, come to Cleveland. And we were kind of talking and we were we thought, it doesn't really make a lot of sense just because of how many good people the Browns do have at the wide receiver
1: position. I mean, it's fantasy football stuff. Yeah, It's like, hey, there's a famous guy, get him. It's like, yeah. okay, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like people did it with J.J. Watt. You know, people did it with Clowney and then Clowney actually happened. But like yeah. a lot of, that's just not, that's not how Andrew Berry's gonna operate. So yeah. I just didn't that was never really a thing to me. Yeah. Flipping to the other side of the
0: ball in defense, though. Um, have you heard anything about the overall status of Greedy Williams? And do you know like what his role will be on the team this year?
1: I mean, as I say, whenever I'm asked this kind of stuff, I said, all I know is what Mary Kay Cabot says, <laughs> who's one of the best beat writers in the NFL. So I know she's written, she's talked to Greedy and written a lot about the nerve issue he had last year. I think they feel good about it. I think they think he's passed it. But I think both with Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit, um, you got to have your fingers crossed a little bit until they get back out on the field and they're there in the opener. But also, I'm not sure that Greedy is better than Greg Newsom. So I think we put a lot on Greedy Williams. He was a second round pick. You know, I think he fell a little bit because of injury stuff. You know, I'm, Terrence Mitchell was kind of better than him anyway when he was healthy. I mean, he wasn't, you know, so Greedy has not done that much in the NFL so far. And Greg Newsom was a guy that I think the Browns were very happy to have fall to them in the first round. So mm-hmm. I think having both options, both a rookie Greg Newsom and a returning injury Greedy Williams as the op- outside options opposite Denzel Ward is good. If they only had one of them and not two, mm-hmm. you'd be a little nervous. Oh man, are we really leaning on this rookie that much? Yeah. Oh, are we really counting on this injured guy that much? But I think one of them will hit and they'll be okay. So I think between Newsom and, and Greedy, They'll be okay. I think I'd probably, all things being equal, bet on Newsom. Yeah. But Greedy Williams is a nice guy to have in your roster if he's healthy.
0: Definitely. And I would ask you, too, about Clowney and Garrett. Do you think now, since Clowney is in Cleveland and, you know, kind of Cleveland, like we said, is on the up and up, and, you know, it's their time, do you think him being healthy, do you think he'll actually want to be out there and play now since Cleveland's kind of going in this direction?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's an opportunity for him like to win. I think it's an opportunity for him if he's healthy and he's playing for a good defense. He's on a one-year, eight million dollar contract. If he has a great year, he can get a bigger contract for a long-term deal, probably somewhere else. But like it, it's a beneficial, I think, situation for both sides. Mm-hmm. He's really good against the run. He's not just a pass rusher. So I think that complements Miles Garrett pretty well. And um, you know, I think I think I've just become very curious about what if he has his best year yeah huh like what would that be because it's he's not that old no he's not he's not 47 like me <laughs> his body's not falling apart he's kind of a couple of weird years yeah so um you know i do think i think playing with miles garrett should get people fired up I, I don't buy as much into like oh well miles will take the double teams or whatever it's like i, I think we overdo that sometimes mm-hmm. but i think from a, a motivational standpoint, you Know we've all seen everybody's off season workout videos. It's like if you're just a JV on clowney, it's like and I can talk about this from experience. If you're an older guy, like there's nothing that keeps you young like working with great young talented guys who get after it. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, if you're clowning and you're like, Man, look what Miles did today, man. I gotta keep up with that in yeah. practice, in the weight room, in the meeting room, all that stuff. I think that's a bigger deal than what actually happens on the field and whether the tight end's gonna chip chip clowny or chip Garrett, you know. But I think there's – from that motivational standpoint, I think we have a chance to see the best of Clowney.
0: Okay. And your thoughts on the uh, linebacker spot and you know, the, the other parts of the defensive line, do you – because I haven't heard much about them. What do you know about those spots?
1: I think linebacker is like the least important spot in the NFL right now. So there was a lot of consternation last year about, oh, they're linebackers. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> I said you can't be – you can't have 22 Pro Bowl players. Right. So it's like, all right, well, you know – your offensive line and your running backs and your cornerbacks or, or your defensive ends are better than your linebackers. Like, yeah, that's how it should be. So I think they'll play only two linebackers a lot. They'll probably play three safeties a lot. Everybody thinks that that's what Joe Woods wants to do. They have three safeties they like. And then I think some combination, you know, of Anthony Walker as a veteran, you know, I think Sione Takitaki is probably no more than a situational guy for you, but he can see the field at times. And then I think they want to see what Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa and Jacob Phillips can do. So I think that's your future at linebacker, a rookie and a second year guy. And I think they need to see what those guys can do. And again, this is what you have to do. You have to draft guys and have them produce. They don't need those two to be superstars. But if those are guys who can be here long-term for pretty cheap and supplement Miles Garrett and John Johnson and Denzel Ward, then that's how you have a good defense. So I think between those four and what probably most of the time is going to be two spots, like I'll think they'll be fine. Are any of them going to be – Pro bowlers, probably not, but obviously a lot of people are fired up about JOK. So, like, I I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be great, but I don't think they need to be more than fine at linebacker. Okay.
0: Okay, I gotcha. And so to close this thing out, what are your thoughts on the 17 games this year? Do you like the idea of adding the one more game, or do you think it really makes a difference? What What are your thoughts on it?
1: I mean, I like the idea of reducing a preseason game. I'm not sure we had to add a regular season game. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I think if everybody, if you played 16 games and everybody played two preseason games, one home and one away, and then you could just do like more like kind of intrasquad scrimmage stuff or like do some practices with other teams to really help figure out your cutdowns and everything. I just, you know, these are bodies and brains on the line. There's a limit. Everybody wants to push the limit. I mean, college football did it, whatever it was, 15 years ago when they went from 11 games to 12 in the regular season. There's a lot of money at stake. I just think, I think they're off with the way they distribute the buys because it's about producing a TV product. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they could do something where you had like a 19 week regular season and still everybody only played 16 games. Yeah. And you just parceled out the buy weeks more. There's all these times when one o'clock on a Sunday, there's eight games on. Yeah, They just, they don't need to have that. Right. And so I don't, I don't think they needed to add the 17th game from the standpoint of a TV property. If you want to add weeks to the season, add weeks to the season, but don't add games to the bodies and the brains. Yeah. So I, I don't love it. No, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I, I just think they should, I think they should play 16 and 19, give everybody three buys to rest, to try to keep everybody healthier yeah. and, uh, and still have a great TV product every Sunday with a bunch of really good games.
0: Okay. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And to close this thing out, if you have to, I know you mentioned it before, but remind me, what do you see the Browns, their overall record this year? I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go 15 and two. this year. Whoa! I'm going go 15 and God, two.
1: I can't leave my heart. Oh <laughs> my God. It's one of those things. It's like, I'm like the optimist. I'm the optimistic Browns guy. Yeah. And you just more, you out optimistic me. Um <laughs> So, I mean, the question is, it's like, I just think it's once they get to 14 and 0, will they start resting their starters and maybe maybe lose their last three games? I'm just I'm kidding. Sure. Uh, so, listen, everybody lives, most teams lose a game you don't see coming, yeah. right? They got the Chiefs. The, I think they split with Baltimore. They got to go to Green Bay on Christmas. Yeah. You know, they don't, they have a lot of other kind of weird games like Minnesota, not weird, but just like kind of in between games like Minnesota, the Chargers, yeah. some games like that where it's like, well, I think they'll beat the chargers, but man, Justin Herbert might go nuts. It's like, well, I yeah. think they'll beat the Vikings, but like, what if Kirk cousins is all motivated against chemist of And Like you lose a game or two in there that you didn't see coming. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of a sudden the Browns, I think are like the, on a pedestal for the Bengals. And what if Joe Burrow's like, all I want to do is beat the Browns this year. And Like all <laughs> of a sudden the Browns go to Cincinnati and Joe Burrow throws for 420 yards. Like, I just think that'll happen. Cause like that happens to teams. Yeah. So like, I just think that'll happen, but I think I think they could win every game other than the opener, which they're yeah. going to lose. <laughs> uh, so I have them like twelve and five or thirteen and four. Okay, and and I'll make an official prediction by the start of the year okay. when I dig a little bit more into the schedule. Um, but like that's awesome. Yeah, you know that's 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 quite quite good. Yeah. So, so I'll yeah. take it over the zero and sixteen season. So. Hey, oh, yeah, yeah. but but but, and as you know, Ken, yeah. because you're a smart podcast host. The reason they're good now is because they won 0 and 16. Right, like it was worth it. And I and I always remind people, it's like listeners. I know you know that, but you have to know that it was not in vain. And if they, not every franchise has to tank to get good. The Browns did, and if they would not have tanked and for three seasons won a total of four games, they wouldn't be here. Right, they would not be here because Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Denzel Ward. Half of Odell Beckham because Jabril Peppers was a draft pick and he was traded for Beckham. Yeah. David and Joku. They are all direct, direct, direct results of the Browns thinking for three years. Yeah. And so I never want people to be like, it was painful, but I think it I think it decreases the pain in retrospect to realize it was worth it. So it's not coincidental. And I just don't want people to be like, oh man, like 0 oh, and 16 sucked. Like, yeah, but you know, there was a point to it, right? Yeah, and the point was get Baker Mayfield, yeah. So, and it worked, yeah. and they're a Super Bowl contender, and it's an absolute straight line from one fifth, one and 15, oh, and 16 to 11 and five, beat the Steelers in the playoffs, and come into this season as a legit Super Bowl contender. So, yep. I, I was in favor of it when it happened. I thought it would work. It, now it wasn't a guarantee, mm-hmm. but now that it has worked, you can claim credit for it, right? Yeah. There was never a guarantee because you got to hit on the picks, but they did. Not everyone, but more than enough. Yeah, and that's why they're here. I'm sure we'll
0: definitely be talking more throughout the season as it goes on. Like I said, um, you're you're one of my favorite guys to so go on your Twitter and like see all your stuff. I'm excited about your book. Um, I'd love I'd love to be able to have you know you, Dan, and Alice and whoever else I can get on here, maybe before the season starts to do a preseason
1: podcast or something together. I'm always happy to get on a podcast and yell at Ellis Williams. So just tell me what time, what place, and he and I will have a fight about Carson Wentz and entertain everybody.
0: He actually told me you guys had some kind of bet about Carson Wentz because when I did one with him and Dan, he brought Carson Wentz up and he said you and him had some kind of bet or something. I
1: can't remember what it was. uh... So if the Colts finish with a better record than the Browns, Hmm. then I have to hang a poster behind me for the podcast Uh. There's a picture of Carson Wentz that says, I love Carson Wentz. <laughs> if the Browns finish with a better record than the Colts, uh-huh. Ellis has to hang a poster of Carson Wentz behind him that says Carson Wentz sucks. Oh. So that is the bet because he is a Carson Wentz believer and I am not.
0: Yeah, he he seemed like he was believing in it pretty hard last time we talked. So uh, I think the Colts will definitely be interesting to watch this season too. So
1: Now I don't like you anymore. You okay. just ruined it, Cantley. You Just Now you're on. Oh, you're on the Ellis Williams, Carson Wentz side. Fine. I'm just kidding. I'm going to go
0: back on your side. I'll jump back over here with you. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'll sir. take, I need
1: all the help I can get, man.
0: Oh, I got you. I got your back. Yes, sir. So before I uh, close this out, where can people find your podcast um, and anything else about you, your social media handle, stuff like that?
1: So I'm on Twitter at Doug LaMaurice, which is L-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-E-S. You can find my work at Cleveland.com. I host the Buckeye Talk podcast five days a week, wherever you listen to podcasts, where Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and I talk about the Buckeyes. Uh, I host the Thursday, normally the Thursday Orange and Brown Talk podcast, where Scott Pascoe and Ellis Williams and I kind of break down the Browns from a numbers and film perspective. And I also appear on the regular Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which is also five days a week. That's our Browns podcast. I'm usually on there once or twice a week. And then the other thing I have happening is in July we are launching a national college football podcast. Um, I, have a, I have a co-host named Shahan J. Haraja, who is a great young football writer from Texas. And it is called the College Football Playoff Show. And that also is gonna be popping up wherever you can listen to podcasts. We're gonna be doing that twice a week. So um, a lot happening, but it's football time. Yeah, so you're all over the place. I barely write anymore. I'm supposed to be a writer. Once oh. upon a time I was a writer and now all I do is shout into a microphone. So yeah,
0: yeah. I hey you're doing phenomenal with the shouting through the microphone. So we love it. It's a living for yes, now. Sir. We'll see. There you go. Well, Mr. Doug, that, Mr. Doug Lemaurice, guys, uh, like I said, catch catch all of his stuff on his podcast. He does a lot of great work for the Browns and Buckeyes. Um, I've always always been a pretty big fan of yours. My dad, like I said, he turned me on to you. So I'm thankful that he got me kind of acclimated with all you guys in Cleveland. So I love it. Well, take it. Thank your dad for me. Yes, yeah, I will. I'll definitely thank my dad for you. So all right guys well I'll see you guys next time on the next episode of the Blaze Cast